ever feel like technology is just a bunch of digital noise? It's important to know what it's really about. This is Telecom Talk with host Pat Pittman. Pat brings over a half century of experience in the telecom industry and has seen firsthand many changes, regulations, and new technology. Now, she answers your questions. Here's your host, Pat Pittman. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pat Pittman, and we are doing Telecom Talk. Uh, Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the conferencing service, Zoom. And luckily, I have a great guest, Tom Brannon, out of the Atlanta area. Tom's been in the industry for many years and has done a lot of consulting And he has recently written an article regarding how to be your best on a Zoom call. And I was interested in that because I bet a lot of people have trouble deciding, you know, how they're going to sit, what they're going to wear, how they're going to talk. So I thought we'd talk with Tom today and see if he could give us an insight. Good afternoon, Tom. Uh, good afternoon, Pat. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Same here. How have you been? I've been great, and um, I, I don't have a half century in the business as you do, but uh, but a quarter century and counting. So uh, the, the time flies by for sure. Yeah, all it means is that I'm old. <laughs> you said it. I, I didn't say it. <laughs> That's right. I did say it. Well, we, we we're we're indeed old friends, so um, I'll, True. I'll count myself in, in your uh, category as well. Okay. Well, I did see your video. video on uh, surrounding your best or sounding your best on a Zoom call. Why? Yeah, you know that was. Why? Ju- ahead, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, why? Why Zoom? Why not another service? Or is it just? Or why has everybody chosen Zoom? Uh, it's you know it's a really interesting question, and you know I, I, it, Zoom's history is not even all that old. Uh, the founders came from from WebEx back in 2011. They started this company and. Uh, with a little bit of a different vision, but it was kind of basically a, to do a version of WebEx, which was the standard really for the last 20 years until Zoom came on the scene. And then they took that from a startup to a billion-dollar company in six years, which is, you know, that's pretty wow. staggering that they were able to grow that fast. Uh, today, they're not a billion-dollar company. They are a $48 billion company um, and are largest, larger than the, the valued higher than the top seven airlines combined. So th- this explosion, you know, didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen over the last couple of months. I mean, this has been a train that's been uh, running uh, full, full speed ahead for the last couple of years. But I-, I think a lot of people were gravitating to Zoom for a couple of reasons. Number one, that they kind of have the simplest um, uh, interface. It's just a, it's just a cleaner, maybe a little bit more user friendly. And, and some of these things are, are very subtle, but I think people um, were able to to learn how to use it very quickly. Um, I, th- I think another reason was is they were offering those free plans where individuals could could have a free account and and, and group calls um, for up to forty minutes were free, so it was really easy for people to get involved and, and and try it out because you didn't have to sign up and put a credit card and go through the process of signing up. So I think that really kind of gave them a head start. And then uh, as soon as the COVID stuff happened, of course. Um, it just started to spread like wildfire. So people were using Zoom in their schools. They were using it for work. Um, families were doing uh, Zooms and still are, you know, Zoom happy hours. It just seemed like they got the momentum. The word of mouth spread very quickly. 
because everyone needed a platform. They needed some way to communicate um, as soon as the quarantine stuff happened. And as people went out, maybe the only one that they heard about was Zoom or they just had come off a Zoom call, sign up's easy, it's easy to learn. And the next thing you know, they are have absolutely exploded. In fact, I was reading today where the entire market is up um, almost 100% in the last couple of months, uh, but Zoom's user base is up over 400%. Good Lord. Since the COVID quarantine. So, you know, it, it's definitely positioned itself as the, you know, the new market leader. And I don't think that's going to change for, for some time. Interesting. It went from um, WebEx to Zoom, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, we used to say, uh, do you want to jump on a WebEx? Yeah. Meant, you know, it just meant, well, it could be a, uh, you know, a Google call or it could be a, you know, a, a Microsoft Skype call. I mean, it, but we used WebEx kind of like, you know, it's just a brand name to describe any, you know, web interaction. And, and now I think Zoom's taken over that, that title here just in the last couple of months. And, yeah, one of the things I think I was interested in is, um, you know, I was on so many Zoom calls where people just sounded, you know, really bad, you know, <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, I'm getting tired of getting on calls and, you can't hear people or it's garbled or uh, poor quality and, and uh, there's echoes going on. So, you know, that's why I made that video and wrote the article was to kind of say, okay, well, what is the best way uh, okay. to join a Zoom call? So, yeah, I mean, I, I did lots of experiments, had a lot of fun with it, and it's, it's been a very popular topic. Well, what did you actually uncover? Well, the, 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 there were two things I wanted to really get to the bottom of. One of them is if you're using um, uh, your mobile device. So a lot of people will, um, you know, want to join a call from their mobile device. You know, we had beautiful weather here this spring during the quarantine. So here in Atlanta, so a lot of people were outside, you know, going for a walk with their, uh, you know, earbuds in and, and listening to a Zoom call. And um, I have both the Apple wireless AirPods mm -hmm. um, and, and love them. And, and um, I was using them and I realized that my call quality wasn't that great. So I was like, you know, I wonder what I sound like to other people. So I recorded some calls with the uh, wireless AirPods and compared that to the wired earbuds, the ones that come with your phone, you know, that mm -hmm. come in the pack and, you you know, you just plug it in. Right. And, uh, you know, the, those are free. The uh, the wireless ones that I love so much, they're about 150 bucks. you know. So I was like, well, Big surely, difference. Yeah, surely the $150 ones will sound better. And what I found was the opposite. So I, was kind of, I was kind of disappointed because I love them so much. But what I found was on... On things like Zoom calls, where you're using that wireless connection, um, the quality just can't be as good as the wired connection. And it's technical. It has to do with Bluetooth profiles and how all that works. Where it may sound great for music um, wirelessly, um, it doesn't sound great for two-way audio is what it comes down to. Oh, okay. So I kind of was like, well, from now on, I know to use my wired um, earbuds uh, when joining a call with the mobile device. So that, that was you know, kind of a key finding. My videos on, on YouTube, it, it gets dozens of hits every day. So I know people are, uh, you know, kind of thinking, thinking the same thing. Well, why did you make a video? Why not just a column? Well, you know, if you write about it, it's it just video can be so much more. Um, it can just bring so much more value to something like this because the, the difference in the call quality, you can hear it with your own ears. Um, and, and I thought it was important not just to say, Hey, I tested it. Just take my word for it, you know, and use the wired ones. You know, I, I was kind of like, you know what, this would make a good video where I could I could record samples using both of these things and let people judge for themselves um, and, uh, you know, and, and see if the difference was subtle or if it's enough to, to give up the convenience. 
Um, you know, I wanted people to kind of make their own decision. In fact, at the end of the at the end of the video, I, I say, you know, rather than saying you should always use your wired ones, you know, I, I kind of say, look, this is what I found, and from now on, you know, I'll I'll, I'll pick my wired ones um, always if I'm on a video call. Um, and uh, and again, I've gotten a lot of great feedback on it, and people are uh, run into a lot of people that have been like, I'm so glad you answered that question because um, I've been wondering the exact same thing. It's interesting because people are probably wondering it, but haven't had an opportunity or the means to work it out and figure out which one is the best. Well, and this is new to all of us. I mean, I think if you think about it, Pat, before COVID, if someone sent out a a Zoom invitation, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say about half the people would just take out their cell phone and would just dial in kind of an audio only um, connection. And so they weren't sharing video. They weren't using a headset. They were just kind of using it as a you know, like in the old days when we just had the old uh, audio bridges, you know, where you had to dial in and put your pen in. Well, that's what most people were using Zoom for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of folks really weren't comfortable with video. They weren't, you know, it was just easier sometimes just to use the, the dial-in numbers. And, you know, I found that that was a lot of the use um, prior to call. So there really wasn't a thought, a lot of thought before now on how do I sound, how do I look. You know, it was more just a, it's just like a, you know, a conference call. I don't really... Um, you know, I don't put much thought into it. And, and so I think we were all kind of in that uh, mindset where, you know, it just wasn't that important. It wasn't that big a deal. Um, and um, and COVID has certainly changed all of that. Um, now, now we sent people home and they had to interact with their coworkers <laughs> in, in, in very real and, and meaningful ways. And, and we had to jump into Zoom. And, and there's, you know, if you have a team, you want to see your team members every day. If you can't see them, in the office, well, you know, you want to see them on a Zoom call or, again, WebEx or Google Meet or, or whatever it is. But um, the point is, all of a sudden, we were kind of forced to not just use the dial-in number on our cell phone that was easiest. And we were kind of forced to go, okay, I need to log in with the computer. I need to, you know, turn on my webcam and, uh, you know, I need to um, I need to do this. So I think for a lot of people, they were really doing this, um, you know, for the first time. They were They were kind of thrown into it. Um, and so it's taken us a couple of months, but I, I'm seeing that people are getting better at it. So they are t- starting to figure some of this technical stuff out that, you know, really maybe wasn't explained to them before. There wasn't really, there's not a lot of training on, you know, uh, on, on this kind of stuff. And especially when we were, you know, having to, to kind of move to this new world so quickly. Good explanation. It's amazing um, how the technology is moving along, and sometimes people don't really want to try it, but all of a sudden they have to if they want to communicate. What's the difference? I'm sorry. Go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, one of the things that that you've seen, I know, consulting is you see uh, these companies where, you know, you have these great ideas, and and the, the feeling sometimes you get from the client is that their people can't handle the change. You know, this is too big a change or, you know, it would take us a year to get from point A to point B, um, you know, and what's interesting about COVID is it's just thrown us into this world and we didn't have a year to get from point to A to B. You know, we had a weekend. Right. Um, and, and what we found was people can change, people can adapt. And, and um, I, I'm just staggered at how well people have done and how well IT organizations have been able to turn up Zoom licenses and send out the info and, and get people on. I mean, it's really, if you, if you went back in time and said, you know, we're going to be able to change the world of how we communicate on a weekend, you know, you, you know, no one would have believed you, and yet here we are. Yeah. I remember when, like, teleconferencing first came out, 
and you had the telephones with a little screen on it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, people were saying it was going to change the world. It was going to cut down on travel. It was going to do this. It was going to do that. I don't see, I mean, it eventually came around, but I don't think it was as um, well or as universally used as Zoom is today. No, I mean, there was always some things that held it back. You know, there was, uh, in the older days, it was high cost or it was poor quality or, you know, to set up a video conference took, you know, a team of IT people to set up every single call. And so what happened was people spent a lot of money in this and, 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 you know, the 80s and 90s, and they, they never saw the uh, return. Um, and, and so the, the, the iterations that came after it kept getting better and better, but I think people were just still, you know, um, reluctant to really jump in and change. And, uh, and, and then here we are, we're, we're forced to change. And what could have taken, you know, five years or 10 years, you know, we're seeing happen in a matter of weeks. Um, so it's obviously a very exciting time to be in our business where we've seen stuff like you said, move so slowly and all these false starts and all these false promises to now see these tools really coming into their own and really driving productivity and really keeping, by the way, this is keeping our economy afloat. That's um, true. And, and, and you think if unemployment numbers are, are bad now. Imagine if all of our knowledge workers were let go because they couldn't go to the office. Uh. You know, we would be in, in a world depression category even now. So, I mean, it's, I, I, I was writing and thinking about this, and I thought, you know, some of this is literally saving lives because we're not having to send people into offices where they could get sick, True. Um, potentially spread the infection, and then it's saving our economy by allowing college workers to remain home. And, and keeping them home allows us to send back the service workers, you know, earlier while we can keep our knowledge workers home so that we're not sending everybody out to the workforce to to potentially, you know, increase infection rates. So, I mean, this is a big deal. It's more than just productivity. There are massive, uh, you know, cultural and societal uh, things that we're, we're, just, we're just starting to see. Uh, one of the things I was um, thinking about, or not necessarily concerned, but just thinking about it and wondering the difference between attentiveness on just a voice call just a conference call versus a video call. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, and I, I had a client teach me this one um, by by doing it. Um, this was probably seven or eight years ago, and, and all of our interactions were video calls. In fact, we were halfway through the project before I even ever met him in mm-hmm. person. Um, so we, we planned the project, started the project, and we're halfway through it before we even met. But one of the things I realized, whenever I had my interactions with him, you know, I was always staring, you know, right at the camera, making sure he had my full attention for every call. You know, I was, uh, you know, presentable. I was, you know, all the things that you would think of that you might, uh, if you had just an audio call, you might be like, yeah, it's not that big a deal. But I'm like, you know what, I would get dressed up and I would be ready. I would have my notes ready. I wouldn't be scrambling. I wouldn't be distracted. And um, what I realized was is that he got my 100% full attention. There wasn't, you know, even one single distraction um, during our interactions. And I started to realize that, you know, that doesn't happen on audio calls. Um, and certainly on a group call where everyone's got their uh, speakerphone on, they got the mute button pressed, they're, you know, they're uh, multitasking is a nice way to put it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, not paying attention is... Uh, another way to put it, and then we've we've probably all been there where you get asked a question and and you're, you're like, okay, I'm sorry, I, I didn't quite catch that. You know, <laughs> you weren't paying attention, so we're all, 
you know, and, and with video, though, it does, you can kind of make sure that your team is paying attention. And, you know, there's some, you know, it, it's, I think for, for us to work at home, to be able to see each other and see each other working, you know, I think it gives confidence to, to management, you know, that, um, you know, that their folks are engaged and they, you know, they are relatively presentable and they are, <laughs> you know, taking their job seriously. And, um, you know, I think being able to see that uh, there's a new product that I saw the other day um, that does still shots like every every couple seconds. And it's just like a, a collage of all your coworkers. And they're not they're just little snapshots, but it's just showing that everyone's at their desk, you know, in front of their camera and um, in a wake or, or whatever they're supposed to be doing. And uh, it's just kind of a neat idea to keep an eye and make sure that, you know, folks are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then it allows for that kind of collaboration where you can just click on one of their pictures and it opens up uh, ah. a call. And you don't have to say, hey, are you at your desk? You can see that they're at their desk. Interesting. Um, so it, it makes it, you know, so I think we're all we're going to see a whole slew of these kind of tools coming forward to help address some of these, you know, concerns that we're all trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to do this, you know, in the long in the long term. Do you think that'll make upper management feel more comfortable that their folks are working? I, I think so. I mean, I've I've seen talked to a couple of CIOs that um, they love the you know management by walking around. They like to go out, and, you know, walk around their uh, their workspace and their cubicles and you know kind of see people working. And this allows them to kind of do that a little bit different way. It just gives them that kind of peace of mind. And you know, the the other thing about um, all these um, tools like Zoom or or unified communications or um, you know, all of these productivity tools are all, they're all measurable. And, and one of the big things that, that people are realizing is how do we manage, you know, our, our productivity? How do we know that people are working? And, and one of the measurements that, that, you know, maybe has the most value outside of, you know, business applications or contact center stats mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that's, that's very, you know, how many calls did you take, that kind of stuff. But these tools really do show, okay, was this employee, you know, working on their computer? Were they interacting with their team? Were they working with customers? And so that's become a huge thing where all of a sudden there's some of this data no one really cared about, you know, a couple of months ago. And now, True. you know, they're, they're chomping at the bit going, you know, how can we collect all these data from these uh, different applications and, and make sure that our folks are actually doing their job? I know what you mean. It's really hard sometimes to figure out where their people really are working if you see them at their desk, it's one thing, but now you can see them at their desk. Well, that was really interesting. We're going to take a break for a few minutes now, and we'll be back with Tom and talking about Zoom and teleconferencing. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Every day in business, we hear jargon, see writing from so-called experts, and don't know what we should follow and what we should avoid. 
Now, there's a program to sort everything out. The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman is the program that provides actual best practices, insights, and real-world solutions that help business executives, technology executives, managers, and staff using straightforward talk. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Telecom Talk. To reach Pat Pittman or her guest today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to ppittman at stonegate-consulting.com. That's P-P-I-T-T-M-O-N at stonegate-consulting.com. Now, back to Telecom Talk. Well, we're back, and we're here with Tom Brannan, and we've been talking about teleconferencing via Zoom. Now, one of the things I was thinking about, Tom, was what about what you should wear? I know women are much more interested in that than the guys are. I mean, the guys throw on a shirt and tie, and they're fine, but what else do you think we should be considering? Well, you know, it's a great question. Um, about five years ago, I was talking with a client about using video because they had about 10 locations and, and they were always traveling back and forth between their offices. And, you know, I was I asked the question about, you know, using video to do all of these these meetings. And uh, it's funny, you mentioned the difference between men and women. Um, you know, some of the some of the women, you know, were concerned because they were, they were more concerned about their appearance and what they were going to wear and how they were going to look. There, there's something about being on a TV screen that somehow makes it feel like, it's, you know, like on TV, I got to look good. Um, or, you know, they were like, well, if I'm going to be talking to the executives, you know, um, you know, my first thought was, well, you know, you're going to the office anyways. You know, what are you wearing to the office that your coworkers can see you? You don't want to, you know, you don't want ex- you know, executives to see you wearing. It's kind of a, you know, it isn't that big a deal. But um, nevertheless, we all, you know, we, we're we not just dying to be on, on video anyways. And, <laughs> you know, I think that was uh, my earlier point about, you know, people not wanting to join the video part of a Zoom call. You know, a lot of it had to do with it. You know, they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want people to see them. And maybe they, they don't have that, you know, killer home office that, that, that shows off really well. And, you know, there are all these kind of objections to why people, you know, were reluctant to do video. I mean, you know, you fast forward to today where we all have to. You know, it's it's part of what we do now. We've been thrown into it. And, and there's been a couple of things, Pat. One was that it used to be if your kids came into your Zoom call, you know, that's just it was one of the most embarrassing things that could happen. Or, you know, if a pet came and walked behind you or, or started barking, you know, these are the things that we were just really concerned about that, you know, we would never want to see happen. And 
what we kind of saw was with, with COVID, everyone had to work from home. And, and by the way, they closed all the schools and they sent all the kids home. So now True. you've got, you know, parents working at home. You've got kids, you know, of varying ages, you know, wandering the house, at, you know, um, during the day when normally it would be quiet. And, you know, what we found was there was a lot of kind of grace given to say, hey, look, you know, um, I know uh, Rowan Trollope, the 5.9 CEO, published a memo and said, you know, do you have your kids on your call? You know, introduce them to the team, you know, show them, you know, and, and don't be ashamed of having your kids pop up, like, you know, kind of embrace it and go with it. And, Interesting. You know, we want to see each other's kids. You know, we should, right? I mean, that's uh-huh. something we shouldn't be like, oh, no, I can't have my kid on, on, on the screen. And, and, and there was other companies that started doing that, too. And we kind of said, you know what, this is we're all in this together. And that's so for we're, sure. We're gonna extend, yeah, we're going to extend grace to say, you know what, even if you don't look your best. And, and, you know, we went through that time, too, where you couldn't get haircuts. And in some places, you still can't. So it's like, you know, we're, we're all in this together. We all know it's difficult to get your haircut. And maybe you can't go to the dry cleaners. And maybe you don't have the, you know, home office that's out of a, a magazine. And, you know, maybe your, you know, kids are rambunctious. And, and we've kind of said, that's okay. You know, and, and so what's going to be interesting is to see, and then we've, we've done things too, like where it's, you know, it's, it's hat day. So wear a hat or wear your, your, your team's favorite, your favorite team's colors. And, you know, we've done all these things to make it more fun. And it's taking that formality out of, oh, I, I must, you know, uh, make sure that I look my absolute best um, on a call. And what's going to be interesting to see is do we kind of revert back? at some point and say, you know mm-hmm. what, we do need to get more serious. We do need to, um, or culturally, will we just have adopted this, this informality where we don't have to pretend, you know, um, that we're, you know, that things are different than they are, you know, that we're okay. We kind of accept, you know, this new reality. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter so much what you wear um, it, as long as it's not, you know, um, a distraction. So the, the, it's a very long way to answer your question of, uh, of, you know, right now it doesn't matter. Will that change in the future? It, it could. But I think more importantly than what you're wearing is just how the, the, the overall quality of your, your thing is. So if you've, got, if you've got good lighting and have a good web camera, you know, that's really all that matters right now. I think the rest, you know, down the road will we'll, we'll fix as well. Um, but, but one of the problems we have is, is folks with, um, um, say you have a laptop, and, and so you're using the laptop camera. Mm-hmm. Well, the angle of that laptop camera is basically kind of pointing straight up your nose. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, not, I mean, it's not a flattering look for, I mean, for anybody. It doesn't, it's not a good look. You're looking up through their neck and the bottom of their face, and you know, it, it's, not, um, it's not flattering and can be distracting. You know, so I think one of the, the biggest things is to um, is to try to get an external uh, camera so that you can position it above the laptop and get a much more flattering, maybe even wider angle, um, and, and, and usually a, a, you can get a better quality. Um, and that's what I do. I, I've got a, a Logitech Brio camera, and mm-hmm. um, I have it on a little tripod, and it, it, it's, it's almost pointing down on me rather than going, you know, going going up. The, the problem is you can't find those right now um, because as soon as people started going home, they literally sold out of every uh, Logitech. They sold out every webcam they make. Their entire inventory just wow. evaporated in about a week. Yeah. <laughs> so 
you know, until supplies come back up, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck. But a, a little cheat is to, you know, put a dictionary or a couple of books under your laptop to at least raise raise it up to get a better angle. And, you know, and, and laptops now are, are in, built in the last couple of years. They're built with a little bit more intention to, okay, this is going to get used a lot for web calls. And having high quality is becoming more and more important. So, you know, the good news is the newer laptops have a better camera in them, but you, you still have that angle problem, even if you've got a, a great camera built in it. Sounds interesting. Are there any other gaps that or ideas that people should be looking out for as they're doing these calls? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what we're, again, when we're, we, we went from a, um, you know, where we were doing mainly, you know, audio conferences with some limited web meeting, and we've now taken this big jump into these planned meetings, um, you know, they're there, there are quite a few gaps, um, and uh, you know we, we can talk about um, a couple of them a little bit uh, a little bit later on in the call because um, it, it's kind of a focus of mine. It's not just looking at where we are today, but you know where, where are we falling short? What what tools um, are out there or need to be there to kind of mm-hmm. support some of the things that we're um, we're, we're doing right now? Um, one area where we've seen this is um, around. You know, do you have, you know, 10 Zoom calls a day? You, you start getting into Zoom fatigue, and, you know, um, which is a real thing, actually. And, and um, it, it's, you know, you start to look at, is that the most efficient way for us to, to have these interactions, mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. kind of planned, scheduled, on-the-hour, you know, calls? And, and, and now that we're in this world, that's great, but, you know, there's um, a whole slew of other tools out there that allow for more persistent communication, so you're not having to... To plan the Zoom call, you can have more of a of an ad hoc uh, type interaction. And one of the things that allows you to do is have, like, uh, you know, maybe you have some uh, chat communications before the call. You jump on a call together, you end the call, and you're in the same space, and you're still chatting. You're uploading files. You're so you have this kind of persistent communications chain um. that that that's always there. So you're not having to schedule send out the codes for a Zoom call, launch the Zoom call, and then go back to emailing documents, go back to your chat client. So coming up with a, you know, a single client that allows you to handle all those chats, your video calls, your phone calls, um, you know, files, and, and not to mention your other um, applications, CRM, and other stuff that you can kind of attach so that you've kind of got this central hub. Uh, to, to kind of have all of these different communication applications. I mean, it's we're, we're still in a world where you have to, you know, get somebody's email address and email them and then send them the, you know, conference information and then send them any, you know, documents that you're going to be talking about. And, you know, we're still in a world where we're having to go through about 10 steps to do just, you know, even some pretty simple uh-huh. um, interactions. So that's definitely, you know, a, a huge gap, one of probably three or four gaps that we're, you know, that I'm seeing. Are you seeing anybody addressing it? Yeah, you know, I, I think we've had um, companies like Slack um, that were starting to, to go in this direction. Um, certainly, uh, you know, Cisco um, has two products, WebEx, which we've already talked about. Right. But they also, they also have WebEx Teams, which is a, you know, they, they call these team collaboration apps. And, and Google has this. Certainly, um, Microsoft Teams is another, you know, uh, great example. So, you know, the good news is, is that people have been developing these applications now for some time. And, you know, I, I think that was, uh, it was definitely kind of the, something that was needed in the, in the future. And, and a lot of people have been jumping on this, but it was, um, a lot of folks were kind of like, well, do we really need this? Or, 
you know, maybe it's something we'll roll out, you know, in a couple of years, and then we get back to that, can our users, you know, handle this kind of change, that kind of thing. What we realize is that we really need this, and we need it, we need it right now. Um, so it's good the way the industry's kind of reached some maturity with these products, where they're kind of maybe a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. they weren't quite ready for your average mainstream, you know, casual, you know, office user. Um, a lot of developers were using tools like Slack because it's very, you know, if you're into that world, it's it's very easy to use. If you're not into that world, like the other 90% of us, you know, it wasn't the most user-friendly thing or, or intuitive, I guess, is a better way to put it. But um, certainly teams and uh, WebEx teams are, are definitely, you know, built kind of from the ground up to be intuitive and to work on tablets and phones and computers and, you know, be totally cross-platform. So um, they're certainly there, and, and I think now we're starting to realize, okay, yeah, not only is it something we, we need to accelerate, we need to really jump on it right now. Well, that sounds interesting. Sounds like a lot of stuff's going on right now in the industry. How do yeah, you know? It, how do people keep up yeah. with it? Well, I don't know if you can keep up right now, quite frankly, because things are happening so fast. But you know, I, I think the, the 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 key thing really is to understand your your business needs. I mean, isn't that always where <laughs> you know the, the focus you know needs to be? Um, it's not so much on what. You know, you need to know enough of the possibilities mm-hmm. of what's out there. But I, I think the more important thing is is understanding your broken communications processes. So if you see that, you know what, these teams aren't talking together, and they're certainly not, you know, you know, we always hear about the siloed approach where you have different departments kind of right. doing different things and mm-hmm. they're not really talking to each other. So it, it's one thing to go, oh, wow, there are these cool tools out there, uh, but, but the real value comes in when you really understand the problem you're trying to solve of these teams that aren't communicating with each other. So once you understand the problem, then you can go, okay, well, there's got to be something out there that can, <laughs> yeah. that can help team A better talk to team B. And I mean, I think if it starts there, you know, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for success. If it's just, Hey, there's some cool technology, let's go buy it and make our users use it. You know? Um, and, and that sounds like a goofy approach. I mean, just to even say it, but I see it, <laughs> you know, I see it all the time. Um, so, you know, that's certainly where someone like you or another consultant can mm-hmm. really be a value because they can spend that time to, to make sure the requirements are really uh, vetted, you know, make sure that the value proposition is really set and, you know, make sure that the goal is really ambitious. It's not just what well, we want to improve communication. It's, you know, how are we going to measure how well we did? You know, what, what metrics do we want to drive? Um, you know, and I, I think all projects starting with that kind of a focus, um, you know, are always going to be more successful. It was interesting. Um, a company I used to work for years ago had a motto, and it was um, to so that by. And it was if you were going to write a goal, you know, what were you going to do to improve communications? Well, that's okay. a nice, but then there was a so, so what? So that. Our teams are more effective, or we see each other during conference calls. There had to be reason uh, more than just improving. Improving sounds great, but what does it truly mean when you get right down to it, and why are you doing it? So you had to you know, put a why in there, why you were going to do this, and the buy was you had to put a date on it. Maybe not a oh. hard date, but I mean within the next three months or by next quarter. 
but it was nice to have something to do. But were you going to get it done? You know, I, I, I had a client a couple years ago, and um, they had a really not great call center. I'll just say it that way. Okay. Um, and they needed to make a small investment. Um, and I, I met with the IT guy, and he was like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll never spend the money. I've tried to get them to do this. And I called the vendor, and, and uh, the vendor's like, we've, we've already proposed this. They're not going to buy it. Um, so I met with the executives, and I showed them um, how they're uh, – and, and I'd ask them, what's your growth plan? And, they, you know, they told me their growth plan, asked them how they were going to do it. And what I found out was their growth plan entirely depended on the work that came through this, this call center. So they were betting the future of the company on, on a call center that didn't function very well. Hmm. Um, and as soon as I showed them that, just connected those dots of like, you know, you want to grow this business, you need this piece to be really good to do that. Here, let me show you how this piece isn't very good. Um, they went from never going to spend the money to how quickly can we get this implemented? Um, in fact, when I called the vendor, the vendor didn't believe me when I asked for the, <laughs> They were like, no, we're not even going to waste our time. They're never going to buy it. I'm like, look, I just met with the owners, and they're, they want this in tomorrow. Like, don't tell me. You know, I had to beg them to give me a, a, a proposal, and it was signed immediately and, and implemented. Um, but that's that, you know, you have to have that uh, purpose in mind um, when looking at these stuff because there's a lot of, you know, um, just completely bogus um, ROI stuff. Oh, you implement our tool and it'll save you, yeah. uh-huh. you know, uh, eight minutes a day times a million employees. You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it gets ridiculous with some of this stuff. So it is coming up with that real, what's a measurable, you know, business value that we can place on this. And, um, and they're there. It's just a matter of, of uncovering it. If you can't uncover it, you don't need to do it. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the, you know, all the studies in the world are great, but if you don't need it, or you're not, you don't want to go in that direction, what good are they? I, I wish I'd learned that lesson early in my consulting career because it, uh, you know, it would have, it would have helped out in a couple of situations where I, I, you know, quite honestly, I, you know, what was a good idea and what needed to be done, sometimes you, you can't always articulate the, you know, you know, the value and you know the values there, but if you haven't done all your homework to really dig in and really uncover and ask mm-hmm. so many questions that you don't, when you ask them, you don't know how that's going to be relevant. But later on, you're like, oh, wow, I met with the CMO. And, you know, he said, um, you know, this is how they're going to grow their business this year. And then you start, you know, connecting those dots back to well, what's it going to take for them to be successful. And then you realize the weak link is the technology. Um, and that's a completely different approach than, oh, it's old. We need to upgrade it. Or there's better stuff now, so we need to, we need to get it. Yeah, you know, so it's just completely different, completely different mindset. And and by the way, if you just go to your vendor, they'll they'll just say, oh, well, you need to upgrade or you need to yeah. do stuff or need to you replace. Know, um, you know, and it's not that they're dishonest or bad. It's just they don't, you know, they don't really have the time to go in and really uncover, you know, what the what the real need of the problem is and how this, you know, is going to bring bring the results you want. Um, it certainly sounds yeah. like you know there's a lot out there that can be done if people are only aware that it needs to be done. Oh, well, I'm sorry. It's hard to interrupt you, but it's time for another break. You wouldn't want our sponsors to be unhappy. So we're going to pause for a short break, and we'll be back. (laughs) 
Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tired of the Get Rich Quick or How to Flip Home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune into Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Telecom Talk. To reach Pat Pittman or her guest today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to P. Pittman at Stonegate-Consulting.com. That's P. P-I-T-T-M-O-N at Stonegate-Consulting.com. Now, back to Telecom Talk. Welcome back. This is Pat Pittman with Telecom Talk, and we're talking today with Tom Brannan out of Atlanta. And Tom, how has your business changed? I know we're both consultants, and you know the word consulting or consultants brings a myriad of types of consulting. Um, everything from how to construct a cell tower to how to audit your bill. So we all do something a little bit different. How has your business changed over the last few months? Yeah, well, it's it's changed drastically. Um, you know, I. I uh, my, my, you know, version of consulting is, is morphed over the years and mm-hmm. what started out as kind of a little side interest um, has turned into kind of my focus. And, um, and that's kind of more the industry analyst activity. So the industry analyst um, typically would, would go to a lot of events. They would um, kind of figure out where the industry's going, uh, meet with industry executives, um, understand the vision of these different companies and um, kind of help communicate uh, that to uh, the business community. You know, here's mm-hmm. where the industry's going. Here are the technologies you need to keep an eye on. And, you know, here are some that are, you know, providing great value, as well as to advising those folks um, as they look to their future of sharing with them of 
you know, our perspective of the, of the industry and where, you know, maybe they fall short a little bit or, you know, how they might be able to take advantage of some opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, I started this business last year and, and my, my king plan for this year was to, was to get out to, you know, possibly a dozen or more conferences, um, really get out, meet people, network, um, you know, um, speak as well, um, mm-hmm. at events, uh, to kind of share insight and knowledge and, and, uh, do all the things that we do at conferences. And, um, of course, you know, this whole landscape just completely changed. Um, just, and I remember there was a week where it was just every day you were like, okay, well, this event got canceled and this event, well, what about this one? And, you know, it got moved. Well, it got moved and the one they moved is canceled. And so all of a sudden, you know, all of those plans for, for my entire year just completely evaporated, um, right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I, I'll be honest, I, I took a day or two to kind of mope around and go, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, this is, uh, this was my entire plan. Um, and, and then certainly, um, just the disruption that that's caused, um, you know, was seismic. And so it's really affected my business significantly, but what I found was that there were opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I kind of got out of my funk there for a few days, I was kind of like, okay, well, everyone's going through this and all of these, these technology companies are, are going through the same thing. And then they were planning to make their big announcements, you know, at the spring conferences where they've got a new product. So they get all this teed up. They've spent a million dollars to get ready. Now they can't go do that. So, you know, one of the things I've done is talk to a lot of those companies, um, you know, and kind of brainstorm them with, you know, how can you communicate um, in this um, COVID world? Um, There's some analysts are projecting, you know, there won't be any big conferences for another year. Wow. um, And possibly even 18 months. Now, I think it's going to be earlier than that. Um, I think you just, you know, at some point people got to get back out and do their thing. And if that means you know, traveling and, and getting to events that are that are in mass again with all the proper precautions uh, taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we will get back to it. But in the meantime, you know, how are these people communicating to an audience? You know, where you don't have those events with ten thousand people that you can you can communicate. And and you know, we've seen a couple things. We've seen a lot of these um, conferences go virtual. And what does it mean to have a good virtual conference? You know, how, what does that look like? And how do we how do we make sure that people are really getting the message and how are we driving um, not just people showed up and clicked on the, the conference, but they actually watched the content and, and they got something out of it and interacted. And, you know, one, one of the things that we've realized is that um, you can have a conference, you can have your keynotes. Certainly, I've seen some phenomenal keynotes at virtual conferences this year. Um, I saw one with uh, Colin Powell that was absolutely riveting. I can imagine. Um, and have, yeah, I've seen several others. That part works fine. Um, the breakout sessions work somewhat where you can get a little bit more detailed, but, but what doesn't work is the networking. And that's why we all go to a lot of these events anyway. It's, True. It's to meet people in the industry. Um, it's to have those unplanned conversations and, and technology just does not, doesn't do that. So, you know, I've been trying to figure out as an analyst, you know, how, how can I help, um, these guys communicate in this new world? You know, what, what tools can I use? And, and the tool that I settled on even before COVID was um, video. I, I just really felt like, um, you know, when it comes down to it, the, the way we're all wired is we're wired to tell stories and we're, and we're wired to um, enjoy stories. And if you think about when you're a kid and it was story mm-hmm. time at school, that was your favorite time. Oh, goody, it's a story. There, there's another part of your brain that it's defensive. Um, and if someone says, let me tell you about my product, your defenses, um, you know, queue up. 
and yeah. your brain kind of takes over, and they see that as a threat, that this person's trying to manipulate me um, or sell me. And, and what I realized was, you know, story, and not just me, I mean, there's the, a lot of the, the modern marketing is around the storytelling concept, but um, I really got interested in, in, in the concept of storytelling as a way to um, talk about, you know, how a technology or a solution works and how it can be beneficial rather than just saying, here, here's a, here's a product, this is how it works, this is what it does. You know, is to have that kind of a, you know, once upon a time there was a company and they, <laughs> you know, they were really struggling with their customers and uh, they were losing money and blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's, it's, it's telling a story. So I've spent a lot of time kind of looking at what does that mean and, and then taking my interest in making videos like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing for me to tell you that, you know, um, wired earbuds are better, but it's much more powerful for me to show you and kind of demonstrate um, the difference. So it, it's kind of making a story around, um, you know, a technology. Um, and, and that one, the story is about, you know, you want to go outside and take that Zoom call. Should you grab, you know, which AirPods should you grab? Um, but that, that's, that's just a little mini story. And there's, but there's all these stories out there. And I, I talk to companies all the time that are like, you know, we've got a great solution. We just don't do a good job of telling our story. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that in oh, the last yeah. five years, particularly. Um, and, you know, it just over and over again, I started to realize, you know what, this is a real opportunity to take this concept of story and, and merge it with the concept of video, mm-hmm. um, of using video to tell a story. Cause, and, and, you know, a blog post or white paper, I, I can't really paint the full picture. I can only, I can only use so many colors. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we've learned that buyers, even in IT, are, are relatively emotional um, and when you, when you look at just the pure logics, you know, of a decision, it's not really how we make final decisions. A lot of times we use logic to kind of justify our gut of what we want to do. Um, so it's, it's not just a matter of, you know, just the facts. It's kind of like, you know, let's tell a story and, and we can use place as part of that story in video. You can have a scene, mm-hmm. you can have, you know, you, you can, you can have music, you can have, um, you know, you can have sounds, you can, you can bring really, um, a three dimensional, um, aspect to the concept of storytelling. So very simply, it's a long way to say that, you know, it, that my business has changed, but now it's needed more than ever because we can't go and have these one-on-one conversations to tell stories. You know, we've kind of got to do a, a one-to-many um, because we just can't travel. We can't go out and visit and have lunch and all these things that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think now being able to do a video that does it where you can go out to hundreds or thousands of people um, but still have that more emotional um, attachment than you could get you know, any other way. So mm-hmm. I, I think while my business has changed and has presented some new challenges, it's um, presented some wonderful new opportunities. That sounds very interesting. Do you actually um... – write the video and film it or do you have people who do that yeah you know it's 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 I, what i'm what i've kind of focused on is you know if i don't have to worry about the technical side of video mm-hmm. um, and i can focus on the content then uh you know that's really the successful formula for me so um i have a video partner um v-link solutions they're here in in uh, the atlanta area mm-hmm. um, and they've been doing this like 10 years so They've got a studio, they've got camera people, they've got the perfect light, ah. the perfect, you know, they've got everything. They can do a green screen where they can, you know, put it, put up any background, and, and they can do it in 4K, you know, super high quality with, you know, 
professional microphone, so the sound is just absolutely perfect. The lighting's absolutely perfect. Um, and, and so I don't have to worry about any of those things. And so I think that's, you know, um, kind of outsourcing that part to them where I don't have to go out and buy my own um, gear. And, and I will occasionally make my own video because I kind of enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly for anything serious, you know, I want to go in the studio where it's, you know, there's no background noise. It's, it's a controlled environment. I got, you know, professionals that can help coach me through some of this stuff that I need to, to be my best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but quite frankly, if the, if the content's not good, you know, no one's going to watch it. It's really going to be, um, um, you know, it's just going to be kind of a waste of time. So I've kind of, you've got to have both. You've got to have good quality because um, people are getting kind of picky about the quality <laughs> of what they want. And they want to see something, particularly in business, that you know you didn't make in your basement, you didn't make, you know, uh, in your kitchen or whatever. You're, 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 it has a little bit more professionalism, but you know, it, it's got to have that story concept. And so, you know, what I've done is, you know, I've kind of taken my 25-year consulting background of mm-hmm. working with clients to help help kind of craft that story. So I will write the story. I will um, work with my clients to do it. But I'll, I'll kind of, because I know what some of those hot buttons are. I already know because I've, I've kind of lived some of that pain as a consultant. So um, I'm kind of able to take that perspective um, and then my understanding of what their solution does and, and kind of the time that I've spent with them um, to put that story together. And um, the, the one big thing, Pat, that's really great that, that's, that I've kind of uncovered through a lot of research is you know, every story has a hero. Um, yeah. And, you know, and we're just programmed that way that we're for thousands of years, we've heard stories and the stories have a hero. Well, there's a pretty predictable, you know, um, story of how that, that, that journey goes for the mm-hmm. hero. And, and what I've kind of figured out is um, through some other um, uh, other things I've read is that, you know, you need to know who the hero of the story is. And as an analyst, it's it's not it's not me that's the hero. I'm not going to make a video and go, hey, look how smart I am. I'm going to tell you about this company because I'm really smart. You know, my objective is to say, let me tell you how these guys are kicking butt right now and, and make them the hero or even better, take one of their customers <laughs> and make yeah. them the hero. It's not just, hey, we've got great technology. Let me tell you how this smart company, you know, changed their business um, by using our technology. And so it's kind of like the, more, the less it's about me, the, the more value there is. And, and really, I think, I think a lot of folks get that wrong, and, and it's easy for an analyst to go, or even a consultant. Pat, you and I both know some people that, yes. that want to be the hero in, in every engagement, uh-huh. um, and uh, you know that's that's not always you know what's going to give you the best outcome. It's it's understanding that your customer or your customer's customer, you know, is ultimately the hero. Okay, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Getting your your message out is good, but what kind of costs are involved? You know, it, it really depends. Um, you know, a, a simple interview can be, you know, just even a couple hundred dollars. I mean, if it's just going to be a remote interview, and oh, I'm starting okay. to gear up to do a lot of those with COVID, and you know, from okay. there, the, the, hey, Tom, the cost doesn't have to be. Tom, crazy. we're going over time, so we're going to have to wrap it up. Maybe you'd like to come back sometime. You know, I would. You bet. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Pat. Thank you for making Telecom Talk a part of your week. Be sure to join host Pat Pittman for another episode next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll connect again next week.